The final Mishnah of this parak, which has been discussing the laws of ribis, of interest, tells us that the following people transgress certain averus for being part of this transaction or part of this loan which has been done with interest. Hamalve, the person lending, of course. The Halove, the borrower, it's also forbidden to borrow with interest. Even though you're the one who is losing out, the Torah says it's forbidden to borrow with interest. The Ha'orev, the guarantor, the person who, in the event that the borrower is not able to return the loan, the lender is able to collect it from the Orev, from the guarantor. The Ha'edim, the witnesses who sign on the document which says that the borrower borrowed from the lender and that he owes him money. Even the scribe violates an Avera in this transaction or loan. Now, the Mishnah is about to list which Averas there are. And the list which the Mishnah gives is the list of Averas which the lender violates. The Mishnah doesn't go through what each one of these people will violate. Some of them will apply to not only the lender, but also the other members in the group... However, the list is a list of the Averas which the lender violates. He violates the Avera of giving somebody money with interest. That's the words which the Posik uses. Don't give your money with interest. When he takes the interest from the borrower, then he violates another Avera of taking it from him. He violates the Avera of pressurizing the borrower. We're going to understand that even if he doesn't pressurize him physically and literally he doesn't go and start pressurizing him to return the loan, intrinsic within the fact that he is lending him with interest is already a pressure for him to return the loan. And that is enough to make him violate this Avera of pressurizing the person who borrowed from him to return the loan. And also violates the prohibition of placing um, interest upon him, meaning the Torah repeats this Avera. And this one, for example, the witnesses would also violate this. Because this Avera is not about giving the money with interest, but it's about placing interest upon somebody. So the witnesses would also be guilty of that. Were it not for them signing on the document, the borrower wouldn't be able to be forced to return the money. And also because of the Avera of placing a stumbling block in front of a blind person. And that positive continues, You should fear Hashem, you should fear God, I am Hashem. And whenever somebody causes somebody else to do an Avera, he violates this prohibition. Which literally means, don't place a stumbling block in front of a blind person. But it refers to causing anything bad to him, including an Avera. So since all of these people are causing the other ones to do an Avera, so they also violate this Avera. And again, as we said, this is a list of the Averas which the lender violates. Some of them apply to others as well. And there are also other Averas which are not mentioned in this Mishnah, which apply to the borrower, for example. Right, Perik Vov Mishnah Aleph. The next two Prokham also discuss the laws of hiring workers. And this Perik opens up, Asochis Umnin, one who hires skilled workers... The work which they do, this person cannot just hire anybody to do it. He needs specific people to do it. The hituzeze, and this one tricked the other one. Meaning either the employer or the employee, the worker tricked the other one. And the Mishnah is referring to a specific case where either the worker doesn't show up. He says, I'm going to work for you on such and such a day, and he doesn't show up. Or we could be talking about a case where the worker does show up, but then the employer says, I don't want you to work for me, actually, says the Mishnah. Each one in either of these cases can only have complaints against the other one, but he can't claim any money from him. He can't make the other one compensate him. And we're talking specifically about a case 
where it didn't cause either of them a loss, except for perhaps a delay, but no monetary loss was caused. So, for example, in a case where the workers didn't show up, perhaps the employer had to wait another day to find another worker to do it, but he managed to, and he didn't. Nothing was lost. We're going to see in the next case in the Mishnah what the law will be in a case where the job had to be done, let's say, that day, and they didn't show up. But in our case, talking about a case where the, empl- the employer did not have a loss as a result of the workers not showing up, except for perhaps a delay, but that's not considered to be a monetary loss, and therefore the workers would not owe him any money. And on a similar note, in a case where the employer said, I don't want you to work for me, after they agreed that they would work for him, the reason why he wouldn't owe them any money is because we're talking about a case where they would not have been able to work elsewhere. So it's not that he calls them to not take on a different job, and now they're losing out on that money. No, we're talking about a case where had it not been for him employing them, they wouldn't have made any money anyway. So in such a case, he didn't cause them any monetary loss. Perhaps some bother, but they wouldn't have been gaining money for that anyway during that time, and therefore he would not owe them any money. On the other hand, says the Mishnah, what happens in the following cases? Sochre Sachamor, if he hired a donkey driver, Vesakador, or somebody who works with earthenware pots, he makes them and delivers them, he carries them in wagons. So he's a wagon driver, he he hires one of these people, Lahovi Piriforin. One explanation of what Piriforin is, is that it's a particular type of wood which is used to make a canopy. So he hires them to bring this wood, Vachalilim, or flutes, Lakala, for a bride, Oilames, or for a dead person during the funeral. They might use the flutes. And in these two cases, where it's for a bride or for a dead person's funeral, of course, they need the items today. It's not going to help if they end up bringing it the next day. Or if he hires workers to bring up the flax from the water in which the flax is soaking. That's part of the process of turning flax into linen. And if it's left in there for too long, then it will get ruined. Or if he hires people for anything which, if not done at the time that it is agreed upon, there will be a loss. And then the workers retracted, they didn't show up. And they didn't do the job. In a place where there is no other person who the employer is able to pay the same amount as he had agreed with these workers for them to do the work instead of those workers, then he can hire other workers for a higher price than he had agreed with the original workers, and that extra amount that he had to pay, he can claim from the original workers who are supposed to come and do the work, that they will have to compensate him for that extra that he had to pay as a result of them not showing up. Or alternatively, maton. He can trick them into coming. He can tell them, you don't want to come because you're not being paid so much. I'll pay you double or I'll pay you more than we agreed upon. And then they'll come and do the work. And then when it comes to him paying them, he'll actually say, no, we agreed that I would pay you less. And that's all I am obligated to pay you. And he is also allowed to do this because they were the ones who tried to back out of the agreement. And they are obligated to work for him as they agreed for the price which they agreed upon. Mr. Bates, somebody who hires workers, and he hires them to do a particular job. He's not hiring them for an amount of time. He's hiring them to do a particular job. They're skilled workers, he said, do this particular work. And they started doing it, and in the middle of Chazbohen, they retracted and they backed out of the agreement, and they said, we're not working anymore. Says the Mishnah, they have the lower hand. Meaning, if the the employer now needs to find other workers. Now, if the cost of hiring workers has gone up, then it would emerge that the fact that the original workers backed out in the middle caused this person a loss. 
And therefore, he would pay these second workers the higher cost. He would pay them for the amount of work which they're doing, the second half of the job. And whatever is remaining, he would pay the original workers. So they would end up receiving less, even for the amount which they did do. And at the same time, what happens if the cost of workers actually goes down? And it would actually emerge that the fact that the original workers backed out caused the other person a gain. They would have to pay less for this job to be done. However, because the original workers backed out, and the mission is telling us that they have the lower hand and they are put at the disadvantage, they cannot claim extra money now, the extra which is left over of what the person would have paid. Of course not, they're not going to gain from the fact that they backed out of the agreement. And therefore they would only receive what they had originally agreed upon, and of course only on the amount of work which they did. On the other hand, says the mission in Balabai, if the employer is the one who retracted, and after they had started the, the job, he said, I don't want you to work for me anymore. For example, he might have seen that the cost of workers has gone down, so he now wants to hire other workers for a lower cost. Now he has the lower hand. And if he would do that, then any extra money which is left over, and which this person thinks he's going to gain by hiring cheaper workers, he would have to give that to the original workers. So he's not going to end up gaining at all. And indeed, he certainly cannot do this and back out of the agreement in the middle. And what would happen if the cost of workers has gone up? So here he certainly can't reduce the original workers' wage, because he was the one who stopped them in the middle. And therefore he would have to pay the amount that he agreed with them that he would pay. But of course only for the amount of work which they actually did do. On a similar note, the mission now tells us, Any worker who changes and alters what the employer wanted him to do, he has the lower hand. For example, this is referred to a Mishnah in the ninth parak of Bavakama, where somebody gives his will to a dyer to dye a particular color, for example black, and the dyer dyes it red instead. So the fact that he dyed it did improve the will and increase its value. However, that's not what the owner wanted. He wanted you to increase the value, but in a different way, by dyeing it in a different color. So the law is that he has the lower hand, and as the mission in Bovakama told us, there are two possible amounts that he would have to pay. Either the amount that they had agreed upon originally, or the amount that the value of the wool rose. Whichever of those two amounts is smaller, that's how much this dye would receive. Alright, and finally, anybody who retracts, who backs out of a deal... He has the lower hand. So this, of course, includes the first couple of cases which our Mishnah discussed. But the reason why the Mishnah repeats it is to include a case of a sale. Not just where you're hiring workers, but where you sell, for example, a piece of land, and the person buying the piece of land pays for part of the land. He hasn't yet paid for everything, but he pays for part of the land. And he has not yet acquired any of the land, paying money does not make does not make the transfer of ownership yet. You have to do some sort of action with the item which you are buying. And because of that, technically speaking, it is possible for either party to retract from the deal. However, however, it's forbidden to do so. And it will be breaking your word. But one is able to do so. Nevertheless, the mission is telling, uh, telling us that once you do that, you have the lower hand. Which means that in a case where the buyer paid for part of the land already, and let's say the buyer retracts, If the seller wants to, he can force the buyer to take, instead of taking back his money, to take the amount of land which he had paid for as sort of a payment, as as getting back his money, so to speak. He can force him to take the land instead of the money, and in a case where the seller is the one who backs out, the buyer is able to force him, instead of giving him back his money, he's able to force him to give 
the amount of land which he had paid for. who rents a donkey to bring it on a mountain to make the donkey walk on a mountain. That was what he agreed with the owner of the donkey, but then he bought the donkey in a valley. He made the donkey walk down into a valley. Or if it was the opposite, Babika, he agreed with the owner that he would bring the donkey into a valley, but then he brought the donkey onto a mountain, and the donkey climbed up until the top of the mountain. Even if the distance that it, it takes to go to the top of the mountain or to go down to the bottom of the valley is 10 mil, it's the exact same distance. Nevertheless, Vomesa, if the donkey dies, Chayev, this renter would be liable to pay for the donkey, since the climate and the quality of the air in the valley and in the mountain is very different. And the owner can claim that it's because of where the donkey was found in the mountain or the valley, that's why the donkey died. And since the donkey was, the person was not allowed to bring the donkey over there, and the owner can claim that it's because the person went against the agreement that the donkey died. Because of that, he can make the person compensate him for the donkey. Now, there are two remaining parts of the Mishnah. In some Mishnayas, the order is one way, and in other Mishnayas, the order is switched around. We are going to read it as follows. Hasechis HaChamur, one who rents a donkey, the Hivrika, and the donkey became blind. Oishanasi Sangaria. Or it was taken for the king, or for the ruler, who would often take certain items belonging to other people, and use it for the service of the king. The question is, does the owner of the donkey who rented it out to this person need to give him a different donkey that he, so that he can use it? Says the Mishnah, no, he can tell the person who rented the donkey, your donkey which you rented and have the right to use is in front of you. We're talking about a case where even though the donkey became blind, it's still able to work. You might need to make sure it goes in a particular direction, whatever it may be, but it can still work. And therefore, you're not obligated to replace the donkey. And in the case of the Angaria, where the king took it, the owner can turn around and tell him that if you were not situated in that exact place at that time using the donkey, then the king wouldn't have taken it. The king, the people on behalf of the king, take it randomly. So because you were found in a place where the king's officers saw the donkey... So it's because of you that it was taken. Is it your fault? Did you do anything wrong? No, but at the end of the day, it's only because of the way that you used it that it was taken, and therefore I do not need to give you a different donkey. There are those who add that we're talking about a case where if the renter would have gone after the king's officers and followed them until they reach the next person they find and take their item or their donkey, and they would have given back the first donkey to this renter, and therefore it's because the renter didn't follow them that it was actually lost. There are those who explain that is the case, and that is why it is considered to be totally the renter's fault, and he wouldn't receive another donkey from the owner who rented this donkey to him. Now what happens if whilst the person is renting another person's donkey, Mesa, the donkey died, a Nishbra, or its legs were broken, and it is now no longer able to work at all? the owner, the person who rented him the donkey, is obligated to set up for him a different donkey, because the donkey which he gave him cannot do anything anymore. And we're going to understand simply that we're talking about a case where the agreement between them was not that I'm renting this cat, this donkey, but that I'm renting one of your donkeys. I'm renting a donkey from you, and therefore if something happens to this donkey, the owner needs to give him a different donkey to use. Alright, now the next part of the mission tells us, one who rents a donkey to bring it in the mountain, 
and he brings it in the valley, im hechlika, if the donkey slipped and then died or the legs were broken, whatever it may be, Potter, the renter, is exempt from paying for the animal because if he would have actually brought him on the mountain, it would be, the animal would be more likely to slip. And so it's not because the renter went against the agreement that the animal slipped. Then Huchamor, however, if the animal died because of the heat, which, which is much more in the valley than in the mountain, so then it is because he went against the agreement that the donkey died, and therefore Chayev, he would be liable to pay for the donkey. On the other hand, if the agreement was that he would bring the donkey in the valley, and then he brought the donkey in the mountain, if the animal slipped Chayev, he is liable because it's more likely to happen in the mountain. But if the animal died as a result of being overheated, Potter, then the renter would be exempt because it would have been even more likely to happen had he actually brought the donkey into the valley. However, says the Mishnah, in Machmas Hamayla, the reason why the animal died by being overheated was because it had to climb upwards, which is more difficult, and that is the thing which caused the animal to die, then Chayev. Then, of course, the renter would be liable because, again, it is because of his going against the agreement that caused the death of this animal.